You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to History of the Second World War, Episode 122, The September Campaign, Part 14, Collapsing. This week, a big thank you goes out to Brian and Ben for choosing to become members and support the podcast over on Patreon, where they get access to special ad-free versions of all of the podcast's episodes. You can find out more at historyofthesecondworldwar.com slash members. Over the last two episodes, we've discussed the events that occurred in London and Paris over the first week of September 1939. This week, we take the story back to Poland. As a reminder, during episodes 8 to 12 of this series, we looked at the events of the opening days of the invasion, ending somewhere between September 4th and September 6th, depending on the area of the front. During these four to six days on every area of the front, the Polish defenders would be hit by the German attacks. They would, in some areas, mount an effective resistance, uh, but eventually they would still be forced to retreat. In some areas, the units were forced by direct pressure from the Germans, while in others they would be forced to retreat due to the actions of units to their left and right. It is after this retreat began that we will pick up the action during this episode. Large-scale retreats can be a disorganized mess, and that's exactly what would happen to the various units of the Polish army. In Poland, during the second week of September, there would be all of the hallmarks of disorder, poor communication, indecisive leadership, and an unrelenting enemy advance. This created a situation where the Polish military as a whole simply could not find its footing again once the defenses near the border had been breached. They just couldn't find a good place where they could arrest the retreat and begin a more active resistance. The one Polish army that had not been heavily engaged in the opening attacks was Army Poznan. This army, commanded by General Kutsriba, had been left mostly alone by the Germans, really had only been engaged on its far southern flank in the German attacks against Army Wuj. However, as Army Wuj in the south and Army Pomorsha in the north started to fall back from their initial positions, Army Poznan would be forced to do the same, even though it had not really been attacked itself. Kutsuba wanted to use his available forces, which were really the strongest intact forces in the Polish military, to counterattack south, uh, disrupting the German push for Wuj. However, Polish high command would specifically order this type of counterattack not to occur, instead focusing on efforts on moving Army Poznan further to the east to conserve its strength for later actions. 
So instead of an early counterattack, Poznan would be abandoned without any real resistance, and Army Poznan would retreat east, eventually linking up with what was left of Army Pomorsha. After they had joined together, Kutsriba would get a chance to launch his counterattack at the Battle of Burja, uh, but that's a story for next episode. First, we have to discuss what was happening with Army Pomorsha and the German actions out of East Prussia. In the north, Army Pomorsha was retreating south on the eastern bank of the Vistula. Two German infantry divisions arrived at the river on September 4th, but they would encounter a planning problem. Due to Polish efforts to prevent a crossing of the river, the German units had to have bridging equipment to repair a crossing, but this equipment was held too far away, which prevented the crossing for almost an entire day, and they would only make it across on September 5th. The units that would first cross the river to continue the pursuit of Army Pomorsia were the German 3rd and 23rd Infantry Divisions of the 2nd Army Corps. This was quite fortunate for Bortnowski and his retreating army, because they were able to keep ahead of the pursuing Germans, with both armies having roughly the same speed of advance, which was however fast their feet could carry them. And, and the Poles were able to, you know, damage or destroy some bridges uh, over some water crossings, which helped them kind of keep some distance from their German pursuers. There had been some motorized and armored units involved in the initial attacks on Army Pomorsia, but they had been detailed to mop up the final Polish resistance west of the Vistula. This choice prevented a full destruction of Army Pomorsia, allowing them to continue their retreat to the east and to the south. A discussion started among the German military leaders at around this time, particularly General Bach of Army Group North and General Halder, the chief of the general staff. Halder wanted to take what was already a major German victory in northern Poland and turn it into something bigger by halting the pursuit of Army Pomorsia and moving most of the 4th Army to East Prussia. From that position, they would launch a renewed attack south out of East Prussia, but with some units being over 100 kilometers to the east of Warsaw, they would try and create this really strong push to the east of the capital to trap any troops, which would be a lot, of Polish troops to the west, including all of those that had been concentrated to defend the Polish capital. In theory, this wasn't a bad move. It would have matched up nicely with the continued advances of army groups south towards the capital. But it also had some downsides, which Bach would point out. The first problem was that such a movement of multiple divisions of troops would take time, and any units that had to transition east would not be available while they loaded up on trains, moved to East Prussia, and then sort of reorganized themselves for the attack. Army Pomorsia, even in retreat, was still a threat. The exact composition of the remaining Polish forces was not known to the Germans, but halting the pursuit of the remaining Polish divisions might allow them to regroup and counterattack. The result of these disagreements would be a compromise, with the 2nd and 3rd Army Corps left to continue to put pressure on Army Pomorsia, while the rest of 4th Army, including all of its armor and motorized troops, would move east to launch their new attack. Along with these troops, the 10th Panzer Division would also move into East Prussia to join in the attack, with the division having been kept in reserve during the first days of the invasion. The second round of German attacks south, out of East Prussia, would encounter a few key problems, starting just north of Warsaw with the Maudlin fortifications. This was considered to be a critical defensive area by the Polish army, and so after the Germans had started their advance, the Maudlin garrison had been ordered to maintain their position regardless of other events. 
This required them to transition into a defensive arrangement that protected them from all possible approaches, with the expectation that German attacks would leave them surrounded at some point, and after that occurred, they were to continue resistance for as long as possible. While the early days of the attack had forced most of Army Maudlin to retreat from the East Prussian border, many troops had managed to make it back to Fortress Maudlin, with pieces of the 8th and 20th Infantry Divisions added to the garrison. This greatly enhanced the ability of the Maudlin garrison to defend itself, and it provided enough manpower to allow for a full 360-degree defense. From Fortress Maudlin, the river Narav uh, joins the Vistula from the east. And east of Warsaw, the Narav runs closer to northeast to southwest, which was important because it meant that the river ran roughly parallel to the border of East Prussia, and any German attack that tried to approach Warsaw from the northeast would have to cross the river first. With this fact in mind, several points along the Narav had been selected in early 1939 to have fortifications created. These defenses were perfectly positioned to defend against the German attack which was about to begin, but there was a problem, as there always was. This was not where the Polish military leaders thought the Germans would put most of their focus, and instead they thought there would be more direct attacks against Army Maudlin, or, or Fortress Maudlin, and its garrison, in an effort to kind of move directly to Warsaw instead of outflanking it to the east. This caused two problems for the Polish military in the second phase of the campaign in this region. The first problem was that they allocated too many resources to Fortress Maudlin, and not enough resources to the defense of the Narav. The second problem was that it would result in the launching of a counterattack by a collection of units known as Operational Group Viskov, which were located to the east of the capital. The orders would be given to this group that they should advance from their position on the Narav and launch a counterattack in the direction of the Polish town of Poltusk. In reality, this was madness, with the Polish attackers heavily outnumbered by the German units that they would be facing. The presence of so many German forces was not fully understood by Polish high command, and they instead believed that this attack by the operational group would be in a perfect position to launch a flank attack against German units as they moved against Fortress Maudlin. In the end, the Polish units would advance, get to Poltusk before the German 61st Infantry would, but the new orders would be given that these units should retreat back to the south before any more Germans arrived because it was becoming clear what the Germans were doing. This meant that the entire operational group had moved out of its defenses and now had to frantically move back and try to reorganize itself for a defense which was about to become very important. Instead of focusing on a direct move against Warsaw, the primary German effort would occur far to the east on the Narav, where on the night of September 6th, the 21st Corps prepared for their attack against Wamsha, where the attack would begin on September 7th. The Polish defenders would be able to take advantage of several concrete bunkers on both sides of the river, as well as fieldworks that had been thrown together over the previous weeks. The defense of the crossing at Wamja would go very well for the Poles over the following days, with units of the tw German 21st Infantry Division unable to make any real headway on September 7th. Then on September 8th, much of the same would be experienced, with German infantry attacks thrown back due to machine gun and Polish anti-tank gun fire. After a brief rest, another series of attacks would occur on September 10th, but once again, they would be to no avail. 
but as would always happen, the Polish defenders could not be strong everywhere, and to the south of Wamsha, Panzer Division Kempf had been able to force back the Podlaska Cavalry Brigade and then began moving north to threaten the troops at Wamsha with being surrounded. This would force the Polish defenders to retreat. This would cause a ripple effect along the Narav, with the Polish troops at Novograd also ordered to retreat to avoid being surrounded, even though they had held their positions against German attacks over the previous days. The 10th Panzer Division would be the German division that was positioned furthest to the east at Wisna, uh, where their attack would be more successful than the German attacks further west. But even at Wisna, the, the opening German attacks would be repulsed with heavy losses, and it would only be successive attacks that, that would finally make it through. Once the Narav had been crossed, the German units would move south with the goal of reaching the Bug River. Once they reached the river, they hoped that they would begin getting close to German troops advancing from the south under Army Group South, which would complete the encirclement of Warsaw. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Matt from the Explorers Podcast. I want to invite you to join me on the voyages and journeys of the most famous explorers in the history of the world. At the Explorers Podcast, we plunge into jungles and deserts across mighty oceans and frigid ice caps, over and to the top of great mountains, and even into outer space. These are the thrilling and captivating stories of Magellan, Shackleton, Lewis and Clark, and so many other famous and not-so-famous adventurers from throughout history. So come give us a listen. We'd love to have you. Go to explorerspodcast.com or just look us up on your podcast app. That's the Explorers Podcast. While the Germans were shifting forces around in northern Poland in preparation for their attacks on the Narav on September 7th, on the central and southern fronts, the pressure never really stopped. Army Wuj was still the primary focus of Army Group South, and Army Prusy, which was supposed to prepare for a counterattack south of Warsaw, had instead been parceled out along the front to try and fill gaps. This meant that there was no real way for the Polish army to hit back at the Germans as they advanced, which made it impossible to really halt the retreat once it had started, at least on a front-wide basis. Along the front, there were smaller efforts to halt the German advance, with individual divisions and smaller units choosing specific areas to mount a defense or to, to quickly hit the advancing German units with a counterattack. 
One of these would occur on September 5th, when several companies would launch a counterattack against the 1st Panzer Division after their advance had been stalled by Polish defenses near Prutkov. The Polish counterattack would knock out 11 German tanks, but any territory regained would quickly be lost to a renewed German effort and the power of German artillery, and also the renewed focus by the Luftwaffe. When the Germans recovered, the attack by the 1st Panzer would cause huge casualties in some Polish units, with some of the battalions suffering 80% casualties as they attempted to retreat from their counterattack. Later that night, the orders would be given for Army Wuj and Army Prusy to begin retreating back towards the Vistula along the entire front. Not every unit would get this order, mostly due to the mess of Polish communications at this point in the campaign. The Germans would continue their advance the next day, capturing Pritzkov as most of the Polish units retreated in front of them. The next target for the German 1st and 4th Panzer Divisions was the town of Tomasov Mazowski, which was next in the line of objectives that would lead the German units towards Warsaw. The major problem for all Polish units by this stage in the campaign was that they were trying to defend areas that did not have any real pre-war fortifications, and this meant that when a Polish unit arrived in a town like uh, Tomasov Mesowski, they had to try and rapidly build some field works before the Germans arrived. They often had very little time to do so, also they were exhausted, and then the Germans would quickly, you know, be on them in their armored or, or motorized units. This is exactly what would happen to the Polish 13th Infantry Division here, where they would try and throw up some defenses before being hit hard by both Panzer Divisions. They were able to stop the first German attack, but they were then forced to retreat over the course of the coming night because they weren't going to be able to do that again. While the 1st and 4th Panzer Divisions were advancing directly towards Warsaw, to their north, the 13th and 10th Army Corps were putting their focus on the city of Łódź. There were a few positive developments for the Polish military in this area, you know, specific units doing a good job, but mostly all along the front, the cohesion of Army Wuj was evaporating. When the German units reached the city, instead of an attack into Wuj itself, they would instead focus on advancing both north and south of the city to cut it off and all of the troops that remained inside. The city would then surrender to the German 17th Infantry Division on September 9th. Army Wuj was essentially dissolved at this point, and its commander, General Rommel, was placed in command of a new Army Warsaw. This formation was designed specifically to collect up all of the units that were retreating towards the capital to organize them for the city's defense. Over the next week, 100,000 soldiers would be in Army Warsaw under Rommel's command. Polish High Command would shift its focus to creating a new line of Polish resistance on the Vistula River, with German actions about 180 kilometers south of Wuj adding urgency to this shift. In this area, the German 15th Army Corps would push towards the Polish city of Kelsa. Here, the German attacks would be so successful that General Hoth would shift the focus of his entire army from one of trying to capture territory and population centers to instead just focusing on trying to cut off the Polish units that remained west of the Vistula as they retreated. They would be able to surround three Polish infantry divisions over the following days. Attempts would be made to push through the German units for these uh, retreating Polish units to continue towards the Vistula and then to the other side of the river, but these attempts were mostly unsuccessful. 
the order would eventually be given for the divisions to break up and push to the Vistula in tiny or small groups. This allowed at least a few units or a few men to make it to the river, but it destroyed the Polish divisions as a fighting force. In this area of the front, the German motorized units would advance so quickly that they would, be com- they would completely lose contact with the German non-motorized infantry divisions that were supposed to support them. This would be a problem that the German leaders uh, you know, of armored and motorized divisions would spend the next several campaigns dealing with and, and trying to solve for. All of these advances on the central front would begin to cause something akin to panic in the capital. After the loss of Szeszkwatowa during the opening days of the campaign, the defenses of Warsaw gained greater priority, and the Warsaw Defense Command would be created at that time. As the German advances continued, other changes would be made. By September 7th, the government had fled the capital. The Polish general staff would leave just a few days later, moving headquarters to the modern-day city of Brest, about 200 kilometers to the east. This put the general staff out of communication with the front for a few days as they re-established their headquarters in Brest, at what was a pretty critical time. Reeds Smigwa, the, the commander-in-chief of all Polish forces, would be criticized for this decision both at the time and later with many feeling that he abandoned the capital at its time of need. This would then become an important point of discussion after Poland was occupied by the Germans and the Polish government in exile was created. With the civilian and military leadership having left the capital, the city was put under the command of General Suma, the commander of the Warsaw Defense Command, who who did not really have a lot to work with. Almost all of the Polish army formations had been ordered to move to the eastern side of the Vistula, instead of staying staying to defend the bulk of the capital, which was on the western side of the river. There were some Polish units that would be available for the defense, and their efforts would be greatly aided by the efforts of civilian work details, which would spend the next several days setting up barricades around the city and aiding in construction of defensive works wherever possible. To the southwest of the capital, the advance of the two German panzer divisions continued, with any possible actions being taken to slow them down, including blowing up bridges uh, behind Polish units as they retreated. By the time that they were within 50 kilometers of the capital, there was a belief on the German general staff that Warsaw had been declared an open city, with this assumption being based on the news that it was announced on the radio that the government and military leaders had left the capital. The idea that the German units could just move right into the city would be destroyed when the first German tanks were fired at by Polish artillery and anti-tank guns. On September 8th, General Suma would make it clear to everyone that Warsaw would be defended, stating in a radio address that Polish units would fight to the last man and the civilians would help however they could. While the soldiers and civilians in Warsaw were preparing themselves for the upcoming German attack, in southern Poland, retreat was kind of the standing order of the day. Army Krakow had been thrown into disarray after the city was abandoned and then fell to the Germans on September 6th. There was an attempt to rein in the Polish troops who were retreating and kind of organize them in a defense along the Dunajec River, which was roughly 100 kilometers to the east of the city, but they had very little time to prepare themselves. One of the challenges that all Polish units would face after the first few days of the attack was the problem of supplies. When they had been mobilized and taken up positions in their defenses along the border, they only had a few days of supplies at any given time, and when they were forced to begin to retreat, only so many supplies could be carried with each unit. 
There were many opportunities to resupply as the Polish units fell back. There were supply depots and, and distribution centers, but the overall pace of the retreat and the disorganization that all Polish units were experiencing made it difficult to ensure that every unit was getting the supplies that it needed. This is a good example of the kind of hidden reason that it was so difficult for the Polish units to mount a defense at any given area, like the Dunajec River, where on the night of September 7th, the Germans would be able to attack several Polish units before they were even able to cross the river, let alone establish a defensive line. The bridges over the river were then blown up, stranding several Polish units on the western side, where their only real option was surrender. The defense of the Dunajec River was never really a, a real possibility, and not just because of what was happening on the river, but also what was happening to the southeast. Army Karpaiti had been given the task of defending the German and Slovakian attacks through the Carpathian passes, and it had not gone well. The biggest problem was that the German 4th Light Division was advancing very quickly to the east, and any attempt to establish any defensive line had to contend with the fact that it was very possible that this German formation would reach any natural line of defense, like the Saan River, uh, before the retreating Polish units could. The target of the advancing 4th Light Division, and the entire German advance in southern Poland, was the city of Lwów in modern-day western Ukraine. The defense of the city was led by General Sikorsky after September 12th when he arrived to take command, but there wasn't a lot of time to organize the defenses of the city after he arrived due to the very rapid advance of the 4th Light and the 2nd Panzer Divisions. However, several thousand fresh troops of the 35th Infantry Division would arrive by train, adding to the growing number of men who were arriving from various units who had been in retreat since the start of the German attack. The entire southeast section of Poland came under the command of a new army, which was commanded by General Soskowski, who would try to defend several areas west of the city to provide more time for Polish troops attempting to retreat to the city to escape possible German encirclement. One of these areas was around the Polish city of Szymyszal, which was important because it could be defend if it could be defended, it would allow the Polish 11th and 24th Infantry Divisions to continue to the east. Of course, the German commanders also knew that this area was important, and so the 4th Light Division would be sent towards the Polish city to capture it. The one advantage that all Polish efforts had on this area of the front was the presence of basically all that remained of the Polish Air Force, which had moved to airfields in southeast Poland. There were only about 50 fighters and 50-ish bombers that were still operational, and their sortie tempo was greatly reduced due to fuel and supply shortages, but they were at least still flying. Szymyszal would be defended until September 14th, when it would finally be abandoned after several German attacks had been defeated. Almost 20,000 troops would be able to retreat from Szymyszal towards Lwów. Some German troops had actually reached the outskirts of the city on September 13th, and over the following days they had attempted to not assault the city, but instead just surround it. The problem was that while the Germans were attempting to cut off the city, there were a continued trickle of Polish units into the city from the south and west. When the large units from Szymyszal began to approach the city, the German general Kubler would have to move units specifically to try and block them from getting into the city, something that they would only be partially successful at. The reason that so many units were trying to get to Lwów was that it would be the focal point of fighting in southern Poland over the following week because of the idea of the Romanian corridor or the Romanian pocket. 
This was the idea that all of the Polish units that could would fall back towards the Romanian border. Romania was a neutral country. And from there, they would kind of make their last stand on Polish territory. And if the worst happened, they would move across the border to either be interned by Romania or hopefully find their way into Western Europe to continue the fight with the French and the British. Laval was critical to this idea and had to be held as long as possible because it could block a German advance from the north and west towards the Romanian border. This is why all of the Polish units that could would retreat back towards Lvov and then continuing to the south and the east, and this would also be the area where all of the Polish military and civilian leaders would flee to after leaving Warsaw. This included Polish High Command, who would move from Brest to Kołomaja near the Romanian border on September 15th. This meant that Leeds, Smingwa, and the military high command would not really be involved in two of the most important Polish military operations during the final stages of a Polish campaign, the defense of Warsaw and the Polish counterattack at the Battle of Berzia, which we will discuss next episode. <laughs> 